Hello, my name is Mariam Jam. I am the founder of I Am The Code. Welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I hope you're coping well with the new wave of the coronavirus. Please be safe. Look after yourself and your loved ones. And thank you for supporting I Am The Code. Thank you for supporting us. It really means a lot to all of us here. Please remember, Each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating young women and girls globally. Never underestimate the power of helping us. Your likes, your tweets, your guidance behind the scenes is helping us move forward and move the needles. Thank you. Our girls are going back to school safely and slowly. They're getting their mentors. It's really amazing the mentors they're getting globally. So thank you Salesforce and all the companies in fact who came forward to help us. Thank you for your donations and calling us to make us better so we can do better for the girls. You know, I've been thinking lately and trying to understand what motivates human beings. We work with our partners globally in often helping them see what they don't see, especially helping young women and girls and boys from marginalized communities from slums of Brazil to slums in Kibera, in Kenya, or refugee camps in Kakuma, where we work. I'm trying to make people see what they don't see because I was one of those young girls growing up in Africa. And organizations can be blindsided and missed out on opportunities to be fair, inclusive in their strategies. And they can genuinely leave people behind because they just don't try harder or It's not part of their interest. And my guest this week, however, understood this. He understood this the day I entered the company. He took leadership and wanted to be part of something bigger than himself. I am so proud to welcome Philippe Resk. He's an IT manager at Unilever in Brazil, Sao Paulo where we met a few years ago. I came with my big ideas, wanted to teach girls and boys how to code in Brazil. He understood my mission and helped me. I will never forget his passion, his determination to support me. He said, Mariam, I will try to do my best. He demonstrated an outstanding leadership, did not give up on me and on I Am The Code. He helped us organize events, digital clubs, hackathons, and always been there for us. I am so grateful to have Felipe talk to you. I really hope you can understand the power of humility and self-actualization. When people realize something needs to be done, they will go and do it. I will see you on the other side. Felipe, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. How are you? Hi, Mariam. Very good. Thank you for, for having me and inviting me to be here. I have uh, listened most of the, uh, the recordings already and I really feel honored to be here because uh, there's so much incredible stories being told in here. Uh, well, I'm proud to be here. You've done a couple of stuff for me and also for the entire I Am The Code you know, organization that I have to just tell people. You may not know about this, but I remember being introduced to you in Brazil, I was so impressed. You know, I was introduced by, you know, Paul Polman, the ex-CEO of Unilever, 
but you really took the you know the the initiative the leadership to help us at uh, in Brazil i was so proud of that and the politeness the respect the inclusion you, know, you really took so much effort in helping us i will never forget this and the second component is you know not just because you carry on helping us but you always stayed engaged you champion our girls um you know you did not give up but also you brought your colleagues so many mentors so many volunteers to help us so on behalf of i am the code and the entire team i just want to say thank you so much and welcome to the i am the code podcast thank you thank you for for the kind words thank you for taking me back to this the very first time we met uh, it was really really nice uh, you were always a source of inspiration since the very first day we talk and uh, I, i just remember now the uh, the first time that we sat down at unilever headquarters and uh, i was so you know inspired and motivated to make the hackathon happen to make it all happen and i remember you saying well Shall we discuss about each other first? And then you told me those amazing stories and I felt like, well, we got to do that. Uh, we need to do that. It's a no-brainer that we need, we need to make this a reality. So very nice uh, to hear that uh, and, and very nice to be here. Thank you so much, Felipe. You're really an amazing man. I'm really ha happy you're here. So are you, are you in Sao Paulo now? Where are you now? Are you in Brazil? Yes, I mean, I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil trying to stay as much as I can at home and safe. <laughs> I heard you guys are working from home, right? Yes, we are. All, all of us working from home. That's fantastic. I know you, you travel quite a lot within Brazil. What did you do before the lockdown? Well, so b before the lockdown, uh, working, working a lot. We're just launching a few, let's say, digital projects back in the company. Outside of, let's say, my day-to-day -day job, uh, we were just in the preparation of the second round of the Digital Club in Sao Paulo and uh, also trying to get as much time as I could to be close to close to the family. You know, I was in Kakuma refugee camp before the lockdown and uh, I was coming to Brazil. I was so excited. You know, I said, I'm going to work so hard in Kakuma and I'm going to go to Brazil. I'm going to meet so many of my beautiful friends. And then I was on the plane. They said, oh, you know, there's no plane anymore. You can't go to Brazil. I said, why? He said, oh no, there's lockdown. I was so sad. <laughs> I was so sad. I was so looking forward to coming to Brazil. My goodness, I was so sad. <laughs> We were expecting you here. So it know, was that old place. <laughs> I know, I know. I was so sad. But anyway, we'll do it again. So we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, one of the things I always, I got interested about you as well. It's not just you working at Unilever, you know, being a, a tech guy. But why do you champion women and girls? Why this is important for you? Well, I, I gotta say, at, at first, uh, I always wanted to give back the knowledge that I had in, in tech uh, back for, for young people. I, I don't know if I ever told you that, but uh, back in 2011, I even you know contacted some local schools in my in my home city, uh, trying to you know get some space where I could go there and share some uh, tech tech knowledge. But I, It, it didn't work out. So uh, I don't know uh, the reasons why, but it never worked out. I, I started to, let's say, uh, pay attention about the disparities between boys and girls in tech. And that was because of you. Feel like you are in a bubble, so you don't actually see the problems that you're you're facing. And then we had that conversation and we started to discuss and I start to, to learn more and I start to, you know, 
research about the subject. And then I remind myself, well, the college that I went to, it was formed, my classroom, it had 80 people. Out of these 80 people, only seven were girls. That can't be normal. That, that can you know, that just can be it. And if, if that helped me, and, and it really did, because it showed me, you know, a profession, it showed me a way, well, it could do, it could do good for girls as well. So that's uh, immediately when you said and you shared the vision, I said, well, th that's true. Why, how come I didn't, never thought about that? And that's, that has been since then. It's really amazing. I mean, there's there's such inequality when it comes to the world in tech uh, across the world, not just in Brazil only, but everywhere. So, what led you to to all to work in tech? Have you already started working tech before Unilever, or? Yeah, it was well. Let's say my father. Uh, today, I can say that he was a visionary because back on the days, and nobody has. Uh, computers at home, but he saw that technology in the near future would bring benefits uh, for an entire generation. He was not from the sector. He was not, uh, let's say, a tech, a tech person, but he started to influence all his kids. So as much as he could, he would be trying to get us education in technology for all, uh, for me and for my brothers. My oldest, let's say my oldest ones, uh, they were already, you know, in their pathway to different professions. But the youngest ones, which was my case, he, he started to influence. So at the age, uh, let's say of 10 or 8, uh, I remember uh, just going some stuff and trying to learn by myself and by my sister. My father used to give me, to, used to give us um, five bucks to my sister to teach me everything that she knew. And then she, he would pay me five bucks to learn. That was uh, every month. He That's wanted amazing. to equalize stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's incentive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he would never give uh, something to, to, let's say, to one of the brothers and not share with the others. So he try as much as he can uh, share with everyone. So after that, I, I, I saw, wow, that's, it's amazing because I could do lots of stuff sitting at my house. So I remember I was perhaps 13, 14, I created uh, my first website. It was not beautiful, but it was a website. It, it was working. People could access this uh, from their own homes. And I remember my, my, my father was really proud showing to some colleagues. And I thought, wow, I was just in my bedroom. And people outside of my city, you know, they are accessing that. So technology is really powerful. So it started like this. So I started, I, I joined a few companies uh, before Unilever. I work at, as a developer, as a SQL developer, as product manager. So uh, yeah, it, it started since a very young age. That's really amazing. And tell me about your parents. So where are, where are your parents? Do they live in Brazil as well? They do. They, they live in separate houses now. Uh, the, in the paper, they're still married, but they are living different, in different houses. And, and it happened after the age of 60. So my father was 63, uh, my mother 61, and they decided that, well, we should live in different places. Uh, so my father lives now in the countryside of a state called Minas Gerais. Beautiful place, very nice and kind people. It's a very small uh, farm, if I may. It doesn't have any animals, but uh, it's a very small farm. It, it's, uh, let's say, four or five hours from Belo Horizonte. It's very in the south of, uh, of the state. And, uh, and my mom, uh, she lives uh, in a city close to, close to Sao Paulo. 
That's really amazing. And do you have any siblings, sister, brothers and sisters? I do. I, I am the youngest. Uh, I have uh, two sisters and one brother. Oh, that's really amazing. You know, we... Our podcast is listened to by boys and girls across the world, but also in in favelas, in refugee camps across Africa. It's really fascinating that uh, you know we we can we can talk about your childhood. Are you are you scared for the world right now? You know, with what's happening in Brazil, COVID nineteen. Are you worried about this? Yes, I, I mean, uh, it's not like something that paralyzes me, but it does uh, it does concerns me. Let's say that. I feel that we as a society, we are in a tremendous speed, but I don't know if we have the right direction. So it feels like we are moving really, really fast, but without knowing for certain that the direction that we are taking is is the right one. It also scares me this apparent uh, lack of leadership that as a society we have as well. So we see the world facing one of its, of its biggest challenge And who is there leading this? Are we really comfortable with the people that are supposed to be, you know, guiding us? So it, it, it scares me a little bit because it is an important time and, it, and it, people that are in important roles, sometimes it, we, I, I feel that they don't have a clue <laughs> of, uh, of what they're doing. And third, uh, with the, which I think it's the, Uh, it's the let's say the thing that scares me the most is this sort of polarization uh, that uh, I, I see. You see people arguing but not listening to each other. True. So I have my very own you know mindset and my ideas. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear if you have a different uh, point. So we used to have bubbles, but it was geographic bubbles. So I, if I live in a nice uh, village, that's my bubble. And that, those are the people that I interact with. And then the internet comes and I say, well, we should, you know, break these bubbles down and we should connect. But it, it, it went the other way around. So you have these other bubbles and people, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay there and I just don't want to listen to you. So it's very, it concerns me a lot because uh, if you don't have, you know, convergency, if you don't have compromise, if you don't have empathy, what sort of society are we going to, to live? You're absolutely right. The other thing I think that was, I really got impressed about you is the fact that you're very inclusive and you look into diversity all the time. And why is this? Why do you, you care about the marginalized communities and giving people voices, listening to other people? Why does it matter to you? I didn't come from, let's say, a very poor uh, family but it wasn't rich as well. So I used to live in a place that was outside of downtown of my of, of the city, very close, uh, like one, one street away from one of the favelas in the neighborhood. And at the same time, uh, my father, he always believed in, in the power of education. So although we didn't have much, he always tried to put us in, in, in nice schools. So I was always in, in, in the between. So if I was in the school, people would say, well, they have their own reality. I couldn't afford any of what they have. When I was at home, well, it was different because it was perceived like, well, you go to a private school, so you don't belong. So I was always in, in the middle. And uh, I felt like, well, there are a, a few paths, a few paths to, to go forward. And uh, Despite of all these paths, I just don't want to lose where I came from. 
because otherwise it feels like you lose, you know, your authentic, you, you lose the very reason for why you're, you, you exist. So as much as I could, I tried to say, you know, let's remember uh, how Philippe was living at the age of five and how their parents, how my parents uh, were living uh, when, uh, when they were 20 or 30. So I am where I am because some people, you know, they gave me opportunities, they opened up space, they incent- uh, they gave me incentives, they, you know, they believed in me. And I felt like, well, I own this, if not to those people that helped me, to other people uh, that uh, didn't have the, the same the same chains. So it is with me since I was, uh, you know, perhaps 18 or 19, that whatever I would uh, achieve uh, somehow it was my responsibility to give this back as well. That's really fantastic you said that. So why being authentic is important? You know, as you mentioned right now with social media, everybody going on Instagram, everybody, nobody's listening actually, you know. So why do you think it's important to be authentic? Because I'm trying to teach our girls in Brazil, in Africa, to be authentic, to be yourself. So what, what have you learned and why do you think this is important right now? This is a great point because... There is no way around it, because if you're not authentic to then who you are, right? You're living others' life, people, uh, others' people life because you're trying to impress people and uh, you're trying to live up to their standards, but that's not feasible because, it, you know, people are going to change. Are you going to be changed at the desire, at their, at their wish? And uh, you're going to feel miserable if you're not being, if you're not being yourself. There, you see, there are plenty of alternatives there are plenty of situations you've got to find your own if you try to you know just copy and paste somebody else's uh, answers if you try to copy and paste somebody else's standards of living uh, that's that's not going to work because uh, they have different contests they have different objects they have different ideas you've got to find your you know your passion you've got to find uh, the things that motivates you because otherwise you'll be living a life without consistency. You, you've got to have authenticity because if you don't, you lose consistency. H- how do you get consistent without being authentic? And if you don't have consistency, how do you build trust? And if you don't build trust, how do you interact with people around you? How do you get them involved? How do you get them to listen to you? How then you get to influence them? So I think that it's very crucial for, uh, you know, just position yourself and, uh, and get connected. That's amazing. I mean, I think my my next question to you really is, you know, you are a champion of I Am The Code and and you've been supporting volunteers. Can you just tell us your experience a little bit? Oh, good. It was it was amazing. Uh, If I go back, if I go back a few years, I remember that when we we met, it felt like a perfect storm because there I was with this, you know, this dream of, you know, uh, giving it back and using technology and then I listened to your story how powerful it was and I listened to your motivation and how you were structured and how things were moving forward and for well that's something that I want to be part that's something that uh, you know I want to help I don't know if you remember but once you told me your story I've asked you well can you come back here tomorrow and, uh, <laughs> and I'll make sure that lots of people will listen to that because uh, <laughs> That cannot stay only between the two of us. And he said, yes. I said, no, come on. <laughs> She's going to come here tomorrow. And, uh, and I remember that I felt big responsibility over my shoulders because I really wanted to make this happen. And when you, you know, 
you said, well, let's make the digital clubs in Sao Paulo. And it felt like, wow, it's it's. I've been a bit pushy, though. I was pushing. I felt sometimes I said, oh, Mariam, you're pushing Felipe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> really? No. It, it was, felt it like was, that, yeah. Uh, it was completely welcome because uh, I really wanted to do that. Uh, at first, I had lots of, you know, doubts and concerns about, let's say, if I was capable of actually... Also, you never met someone that. like me before, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes like very pushy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, you, you do it for, you do it for good. You do it for a good reason. So at the end, that's a help because uh, it, it's the kind of push that takes you forward, not take you back. So it's, it's, it's really powerful. And you know, sometimes, you know, when you don't know somebody and I remember you and I, you gave me a coffee, I think something to drink. And because I'm, I'm so, I'm so passionate about the girls. And also I'm like, you know, I cry sometimes when people don't listen, people don't understand what I'm trying to say. I was like, you know, that favela girl, we can help her right now. And I'll come to some of the amazing work you did with I Am The Code, but it's not sometimes pushy, but it's like really trying to say, how can I win Felipe's heart? <laughs> you know, how can I win his heart? How can I go into his soul for him to just like say yes, Mariam? You know, so yeah, that that was that was that was quite that was quite difficult. Yeah, for me, it was always no brainer that we had to do. Uh, it was just you know getting the, the things done, getting the things right, because I really wanted to make this, you know, uh, to work. Because my biggest, let's say, my biggest fear was, well, if we fail, perhaps we don't, get a, we don't have a chance to do it again. And uh, people are, you know, they are looking at this as a, as, a, as a pilot, as a test. We need to make this a success, because otherwise we may lose the chance to, to, to expand. And, and the whole the overall experience was fascinating. It was uh, life changing because I just you know I, I started to to ask a few people for for help and say, well, do you guys want to to join this? Because I think it is going to be amazing. And then the the level of response was you know just amazing. We managed mm-hmm. to get forty volunteers to help. Yeah, more even. than that. I think we had like we had some recife. We had so many people. You were the first person that push I am the code at this level in a company. But I think what 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 really, for me, what impressed me about you, that, that's why I talk about you all the time, is that not only you didn't know me, but you trusted me. And then second, you just went and mobilized all of your colleagues to come and become volunteers. But also you helped me in my process. You know, I think maybe this is your project management, <laughs> your project management background. You really helped me, you know, put the process in place, which I to, you to, today I use. Okay, digital clubs, hackathons. And I think that your skills really, that's what I said to people, volunteering at I Am The Code is not just organizing a digital club, but it's also helping me and the team to get things better. Um, and what you did is really put the process in place. That was just so, so awesome. So awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad that I, I was able to help beyond, let's say, uh, putting the digital clubs into, into action. Now, you know, I talk about, I talk about the girls all the time having skills. Uh, and, and for me, mentoring, supporting people is have, get, having the skills. Because when you, when you get the skills, it's easy. So I will never forget what you did for us, you know, teaching girls how to code, organizing the events. That was really amazing. So why do you think teaching girls how to code is important? I know this is something that you did and now you moving forward, you would like to help us as well. Why do you think teaching girls how to code is important? 
first, it gives you uh, a, an opportunity of a profession in a very, you know, dynamic and interesting sector, which is the technology sector. So that, that would be the first. The second is programming, coding. It opens up space in your brain that it's all about logic. It's, uh, let's say, less about the code itself, but about the logic and how do you organize problems? How do you split bigger problems into smaller ones? How do you tackle those problems and then solve them? How do you test them? It is about patience. How do you, you know just sit down, take a deep breath, look at the screen, and try to find what is wrong with the code? So you start to see, well, it gives you logic, it gives you patience, which we definitely are needing in times like this because people are, are getting used to, you know, easy solutions and life is just not like this. So it gives you all of that beyond giving you the opportunity of, uh, of, uh, of a profession. So I think that teaching code uh, for, especially for, for girls, I guess this component of uh, open up an opportunity in a, in a tech sector, it is crucial. Providing these other, let's say, skills, it's uh, it's of tremendous value. Uh, I say today that lots of problems that I'm able to solve today uh, at my work, at my job, it is not related to programming, but it's related to you know analytics, logic, problem solving, problem solving, and code helps you with that. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's so important you said that. But I'm also concerned about COVID-19. You know, um, I was hoping that when we come to Brazil, we'll have digital clubs and all of that running. But with COVID-19, how do you see you know, the education system um, you know, of boys and girls in Brazil? Everything has changed. You know, some of our girls in favela don't have access uh, to anything right now. So, you know, who, who's, who's being affected the most right now, do you think, in Brazil? Well, definitely people from, you know, uh, marginalized communities and uh, public, public education. And, and why is that? So you, you got all of the situation and then everybody's working from home and studying from home, which is really hard right? because, you know, you're a parent, you have your own, you have your child at home. They will have to connect through the Internet and then have access to the class. If you're from a nice family, you have a nice internet at home, you have more than one device at home, so you're able to work and you're able to have your, your child uh, studying there. That doesn't happen in all the families. And I would say that doesn't happen in most of the families. First, internet connection. For, unfortunately, that's not 100% democratized. So you see stories of uh, girls and boys, they, you know, they might have a cell phone, they might do, but they don't have an internet plan on there. So every time that they use their phone, it's actually accessing the Wi-Fi of somebody else. So they don't have, some of them, they don't have internet uh, at home. And some of them that they do, they just don't have the device because it's one device for the for the entire family. And learning through a cell phone, is sometimes it's just not practical. So you got this situation where you have part of the population, the healthy one, studying through the internet, which is, you know, not as powerful perhaps as being in the classroom with your peers, but they are having access to the education. And you have another part of the population, big portion of the population that simply, you know, just can access the content. So you feel like this, you know, young generation 
outside of content, outside of knowledge for, for months. So they definitely are getting, you know, uh, six say, months, like in, in, in Kakuma refugee camp, in our camp in Kenya, six months now. And the exactly. girls will not go to school until next year. Is exactly. it the same and process? Is it the same in Brazil? It is. It is. And uh, if, if the numbers, you know, don't get, uh, uh, don't get lower than this, it's getting, it's going to get much, much more time for the schools to, to come back. And there are some cases, which is uh, really worst because in some families, let's say the best meal, the best, you know, uh, food that the kid's going to have, it's at school and the school is closed. So the fact's not the ability to access knowledge, but also, you know, to have a decent meal, to have a good nutrition. You know, I remember you giving us soap and food and all of that. How, how did that make you feel from the beginning? At first, it made me feel privileged because you feel like, well, The world is going through such an incredible amount of stress and uncertainty, but at least I know I can provide to my family and I can have, you know, a plate of food uh, in my in my house. And uh, you see, if you, you just feel privileged. The second was uh, I feel honored that somehow I'm able to help additional people, other people. So we started with that. And I've, and, and I've received some very positive reactions of you know, gratitude. It was amazing. It was amazing, really. I mean, you really saved their life, Felipe. For, honestly, you know, what I was saying earlier, it's really amazing. When we ask this, I have photos of women and people. The beginning, it was so hard, so hard. But I will never forget those moments that, um, you know, you, you did at the beginning of the pandemic. You gave us soap and food and, you know, it's just unbelievable. Thank you so much for, for doing that. It was great. One of my questions to you is, when you go back now, you think about, you know, last year, what we had, the, two, the last, I would say the last two years, um, what we did together with the girls. Can you name one moment that made you really humble uh, or made you pivot from, you know, thinking about your childhood, your father giving you encouragement, building a website? Can you share one moment uh, that you're like, I will do this. I will carry on doing this. There was one moment uh, in, in particular, which was uh, very, very emotional to me, which was the, let's say, the final presentation of the of the digital clubs. Um, we wanted to make this a very special moment for, for the girls. So we invited them all all of them to to the office we prepare like very nice meals for them we we get the you know the best room available with lots of infrastructure so they feel like wow well, i'm a big deal i'm a, i'm in a very you know important place to give a presentation we were there for 12 weeks with them we saw their progress we saw how scary they was at the first time they you know they would practice to giving their their pitch of their idea and about the project and you see the evolution and you come to the very last day you, you feel very you know passionate about it and you see they going so well presenting you know like they were you know doing this for years about and the passionate about their ideas <laughs> the confidence it, it is I, i felt like well you need to take my job because the next time i'm doing a presentation you're going to do that i remember this young lady she was you know doing a presentation about uh, inclusion and and she did this so passionately I thought she was going to cry and the audience thought the same and everybody, you know, everybody was almost crying at, at the presentation because she was so passionate. It was not about, I'm nervous to be here talking about this. I'm nervous because what I'm talking about is just incredible. It shouldn't be happening. 
but it is. And I'm here today to say you, this is wrong. And this is my alternative. This is my solution. So when you see, you know, all of this coming through and you see the results and you see the smile on their face and the gratitude and say how this changes their lives and how nice it was to, you know, spend this 12 Saturdays with us, it was just mind blowing. You know, I closed everything to the last very minute. I wanted everything to work out. When they were at the bus and I sat down on the bench, I, I all of this, you know, heavy weight that was on my shoulder just gave me a release and said, well, this is it. Uh, we need to do this more often. And this is a reality that we need to make. When you send me a photo, sometimes I cry because I know where we started, you and I. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, sometimes when I ask people to join I Am The Code, it's not for Mariam Jam, but I'm trying to tell them, be part of the change. Be, part, be a force for good. Do it because you want to improve the life of your people. And uh, and you understood this, Felipe. And it was so amazing for me to see you, you know, being nominated by, by your organization and being respected. So so now, now you're going backward, you know, we're going back a little bit, I would say 10, 15 years, getting jobs and you're doing what you have to do. What would you say to the youngest Felipe? First, I would try to not give any spoilers because uh, it is not about the destination. Uh, it's really it's really about the journey and uh, the journey sometimes will scare you. You know, just carry on uh, with the confidence and with the smile in your face and just try to, to carry on. But uh, I would certainly say to the youngest Felipe, first, believing in your dreams, uh, whether they, you know, seem far away with stick together to your dreams because eventually uh, they will come true. Second, I would say pay even more attention to your surrounding. So the people around you, your family, your friends, the society around you, the community, the importance of establishing a community. So don't shy away of uh, difficult problems and don't shy away of uh, difficulties that uh, the people around you are facing. Be there, be strong and be confident you can help them uh, go through. Uh, my, one of my other questions, who's your mentor and what has mentoring done for you and in your life? Anybody who have opened your mind or hold your hands uh, when you need it? And, and yeah, why do you think mentoring is important? I'm glad to say that uh, I have, I feel like I have lots of mentors, even though some of them don't know. <laughs> so you are a mentor to me. Uh, really, uh, all all of your story and all of your, your passion, your energy, uh, you're willing to keep moving forward. Make it cry now, the troubles. <laughs> You're making me cry. <laughs> Every time that we have, you know, we are planning something and we're discussing about how to do, you know, plan A or plan B. I just remind myself, how far did you come to be where you are and inspire so many, uh, so many people? Because one thing is to see the photo. The other one is to watch the movie. And uh, the photo of you does not represent the movie that you have been, you know, have been through. By the way, I, I really I really think you should make a movie someday or even a, a sort of... You can of be my producer. You can be my producer. Uh, I, I can try. I can try to learn and, then, <laughs> and put this in practice. Those powerful stories, uh, I, I try to, to hold uh, to them as much as I can. By the way, I'm reading the book that you gave me uh, from Michelle Obama. 
those are the kinds of things that have been mentoring me throughout, you know, throughout my, you know, my history. And, you know, very people that are uh, around me, uh, family, they are very, very supportive. I feel really blessed to be in the family I am of my brothers and sisters and, and, and my parents. And I also I was lucky enough uh, to have, you know, very nice, let's say, leaders. Despite of the organization that I worked with, I always were bl- I was blessed to have people that you know cared, and that would sit down and we would discuss and show different directions and giving me the opportunity and the alternative to to choose. And mentoring is about that. It's not about saying what is right or what is wrong, but to presenting alternatives that sometimes you're just not seeing it. And then you have you know all the information to get your own decision and learn out of the situation. The other thing also I think that we need to really talk about here is uh, young people leading by example. You know, yes, we, we, we supported you or, you know, open your mind, whatever it is. But I think you led by example because, you know, I always said to my mentee, you attract the people uh, in your life. Uh, you know, you're responsible for your life. No one else is. But you have shown leadership. You always show up. I said to young people, you have to show up. Uh, show leadership. Listen. Learn everything you just talked about today is if you didn't show up, you know, at the when when you know a manager introduced me to you today, we wouldn't be talking about this. And uh, and the Michelle Obama book, by the way, I only gave it to special people, so you are so special to me, Felipe. <laughs> so you know, we, we discuss mentoring and, and leadership. How how do we help people to pay it forward? You are on top of your job. You 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 know now changing things. Uh, you know you are a leader within within Unilever now. So how do we help people to pay it forward? You know we have all this abundance, this love, this community. Well, I think it starts uh, with building you know awareness and conscience. I feel that by design, most of the people wants to help, wants to do good. They sometimes just know how to, you know, get started. They don't know uh, what are the organizations that can trust, what are the organizations uh, that fits most of, you know, that align the purpose uh, better. Some of them may don't have the confidence uh, on to, you know, to assume such a responsibility as I did at the, at the beginning when I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, up to the job. And, uh, and some people... And this, you can have an overlap, right, uh, between all of the situation. And uh, and some people, they are just, you know, afraid of making, you know, a big commitment. Like, uh, well, I'm going to commit for uh, four months, uh, three hours every day. And uh, they feel like, well, if I make a commitment now, I will let people down in two weeks' time if something happens. So I think that bringing awareness and creating consciousness uh, within this space, talking about the importance of community and, and showing them, well, we can be flexible. We can work you know, with more people, giving flexibility. So you feel, yeah, it is, it is doable. I can, I can manage my schedule to fit this. If you, if you give them confidence and, and you feel like you, 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 know, you invite them and you say, well, just be cool. Things will, things will work out. You're going to have a leader there and you're going to give your time. Confidence will, it will come through time. And the last piece is what you guys are already doing. I am the code this year. There is an opportunity here. There is an alternative in here. Uh, so I think it's it's all about that. Yeah. So I'm I'm really proud of you. I'm happy to be your friend. Uh, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you for everything you've done for I Am The Code. And do you want to just say hello to the Kakuma girls very quickly? They're in Kenya. 
Hello, Kakuma. It's very nice to be here uh, sharing this message with you. I've heard so much about you and so much about how strong you are and how creative you are. Uh, Mary Amy here, it's a very fun of you. And, uh, and so am I, because that's so, so powerful stories. Uh, I really look forward to one day have the pleasure to meet you there. Olá, meu nome é Felipe Hesk, estou aqui com a Mariam Jane e eu vim falar para vocês sobre a importância de vocês considerarem o AMD Code como um parceiro e como uma oportunidade para vocês aprenderem sobre tecnologia. Se vocês alguma vez já tiveram curiosidade de entender como os aplicativos funcionam ou como o mundo digital funciona, eu realmente as encorajo a se inscreverem no canal, a procurarem mais informações e a fazerem parte dessa jornada. Thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. We are so proud to have you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for the world. Please, please remain our champion. We love you so much and we hope to bring you to Kakuma one day. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you, Mariam. I think it's not too much to say, but uh, you're really a source of inspiration. Your Thank drive you. and the way that you uh, get things done, it's really, it's really amazing. You know, this podcast is really special because he made me cry. You know, when I invite people to join I Am The Code, I'm not inviting them for me. I'm inviting them to see something different. I'm inviting them to elevate themselves and transform themselves. And I'm trying to create a supply chain of humanity. Because I know all of us, each one of us, can make a difference. I know that for a fact. Systems need to be changed and people can change systems. As Felipe said, we can all sit and watch, or we can all get up, ask questions, and make a difference. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Join me again soon for another I Am The Code amazing episode. You have the time to reinvent yourself. As I always said, you have the time to be like Felipe, Miriam Sidibe, Ulima Dasar, or Miwaza Jemima, our creative director. You can change yourself, but you need to learn how to do that with time. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Thank you for being here. I really mean this. Goodbye.